Today on Repair Radio, we'll be talking about the Galaxy Fold, Apple's new ultra-wideband chip, and repairable Microsoft Surface laptops? Did I say that right? All that and more coming right up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Repair Radio, the official iFixit podcast. I'm Craig Lloyd, and as always, I'm joined alongside Kevin Purdy and Woodson Gordon. How you guys doing? Good. How's it going? I'm doing well. Good. Uh, we also have a very special guest joining us today. He's back, and better than ever, iFixit Teardown engineer Taylor Dixon is here. Hello, hello. Woo. That can only mean we're talking about something cool. It must. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what are you guys fixing this week? I think, uh, Taylor, since you're the guest of honor, you should go first. Yeah, I'll start us off. Uh, my girlfriend and I just moved into a new apartment. And so we are, uh, working through the myriad fixes that the new apartment needs, uh, including some leaky pipes, which are always fun. I have yet to start on those, <laughs> but, uh, mm. they're just in the queue, you know? I thought the landlord took care of that. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right, actually. I should let the landlord <laughs> hey, take care of that. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, that's always um, a tension between, like, how long will I wait for the landlord to address this, and what can I just do myself, despite, you know, theoretically not wanting to spend my own money on it. Yep. That is true, yeah. The thing about this apartment, though, is that it is run by iFixit. I live right behind the iFixit office, and so my landlord is... your boss. Is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's always a battle and it's like you, you, you want to ask the landlord, but since the landlord is your boss, then she can just say, oh, well, why don't you fix it? You know, you're like, you're <laughs> <down>. <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough situation. Yeah. Right. Well, I'd like to Taylor, but also have you filed your expense reports this month? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, leaky pipes, uh, yesterday I set up our internet, which is very nice to have again. Um, is it uh, Charter Spectrum? No. So the the internet situation was tricky. We are technically supposed to be using the office Wi-Fi. We're close enough to the office to be able to use the oh. office Wi-Fi. But I have a bunch of Philips Hue smart bulbs yeah. and a smart TV. And so I, I don't want like <laughs> all of my stuff being visible from the office. What could go wrong? So, uh, t- Taylor, yeah, right? <laughs> if, you, if you are okay sharing that internet with everyone else in terms of like sharing the bandwidth you can and i'm i have an article that should be going up about this pretty soon at popsi not to pimp up the stuff elsewhere but you can you should be able to set up like a wireless bridge and your own wi-fi router in your apartment that kind of will uh like create its own network for your apartment but will still use the internet from the office so that you don't have to pay for your own internet subscription but you can still kind of firewall all your own devices on their own separate network you know, it's in that is exactly what I spent yesterday doing. Oh, sorry, I didn't <laughs> nice. know that's where you're going. You said new internet, no, so I thought you were getting new internet. You're totally fine. No, yeah, so that's exactly what we did. We set up my old router, and it is just rebroadcasting the iFixit Wi-Fi on our old network. But now you, well, you won't like, accidentally Chromecast something to a meeting room while you're trying to watch TV. <laughs> exactly. That, that actually happened la- just last week before I had the internet set up. Somebody We were watching YouTube at my house, and somebody put their office spreadsheet on my TV. <laughs> there are many worse things that could happen, honestly. So, yes, yes. <laughs> many worse things that could happen. So good. Um, 
Yeah, then, so good. So even if you do that, though, you still have the issue of like, I don't know, 100 people using the internet at the same time. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the, the network at the office is set up to handle 100 it's people. It's pretty so. fast. I was like streaming Netflix on the office Wi-Fi last week at night. Or, uh, when I was yeah, in town, and, and you know, once yeah. like the thing is, you're mostly using your home internet when people are not in the office using it. Yeah, so exactly. you probably just have crazy yeah, fast true. internet. Mm, yeah, it's decent. It's it's slower than what I was paying Spectrum for, but but you're not paying. I'm totally anything. fine with it. Exactly, <laughs> I'm not paying, so can't complain. Uh, the other fix that I am working on, sort of putting off working on, is I have an iPad Pro 10.5 inch. Uh, which I love, and it's about two years old. The battery is starting to die, and so I'm just endlessly debating whether I should spend $30 and repair it myself or take it to the Apple Store and give them $100 and have them worry about it. Because this seems sacrilegious to talk about on the iFixit I know, podcast. I know it's sacrilegious, <laughs> but hear me out. The iPad Pro 10.5 battery replacement procedure is a nightmare. Yep. It is absolutely terrible so i mean i don't know i'll probably just end up not doing anything but i mean i feel you i'm on the dock i would i would guess that you make more than you know what is it like 15 dollars an hour or whatever that would cost i know that that's exactly (laughs) what that's exactly what the debate that i've been having like it it probably seems worth it worth your time to just take it to apple yep um i This is like half fixed, but mostly I built a new mini ITX PC uh, this weekend. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast before because I kind of built it like a couple months ago. Um, But I feel like you're just always talking about. I am always kind of building PCs, and I really do love mini ITX. Is the only case worth talking about? (laughs) So I built a new one, and I got like one of those like boutique mini ITX cases that like was a limited run um, that was like on like started as a Kickstarter two years ago and then was just kind of like on like small form factor PC forums and I got it in like right at the end so I ordered and then it shipped a couple weeks later um, and it's awesome it's like everything I ever wanted from a mini ITX case except it was definitely like the guy's first go round and so there are some mm. things about the case that are like pretty jank <laughs> like it looks really nice once it's done but building it is like what why is this standoff wiggly and why are there two standoffs here instead of just a normal screw hole or whatever <laughs> like my uh and the front usb ports in particular did not work and when mm. i took the the cable out because i was just going to run a new cable um that's my fix (laughs) is the 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 whole like front of the usb ports were like filed off and they were like uneven and i was like you just like took a angle grinder to this or something (laughs) and so that it would fit in the ports like i don't know why the ports on the front of the case weren't made the correct size for a normal female usb port anyway super weird but that meant when i bought a new cable on amazon for like five bucks to put new usb 3.0 ports in the front it did not fit at all so i needed to like take pliers to like bend them properly so they could stick in the thing and then i needed some way to like screw it in because the screw holes didn't line up but i got it working and i feel like it counts as a fix because now my usb ports work and it still looks good as long as you aren't like looking at it under a microscope <laughs> that is i would say that's a win that's yeah a great fix. yeah i felt pretty good about that and the final build looks awesome uh, despite some of the weird stuff I had to go through to get everything fitting in there. The smaller the case, the more weird stuff you have to mash into place. But it oh, yeah. looks awesome, and it's going to look really good in like my kind of living room setup in my office when we move into the new house. It's going to be like a kind of a couch gaming PC. Is slash there a VR short, machine. Is there a short version of 
I, I last built a PC like six, seven years ago. Um, I remember ATX, but I've never seen mini ITX before. Is that just like a newer? That was around back then. My first computer was about 10 years ago, and it was actually a mini ITX build. I, in fact, this is my first mini ITX case since that original build. I've had that same mini ITX case for 10 years, and I'm just now getting and rid of so it. So for, for those who are not PC builders, though, is this just like a standard of case that allows for a certain size motherboard? For, yeah. You know, so, has enough room for enough certain types of cards? Yeah. So a mini uh, ATX is like kind of what you think of as a standard kind of desktop computer, desktop tower. Um, and mini ITX is much a much smaller motherboard. So it only has one PCI slot on it usually for like a graphics card or some sort of add-in card. Um, you know, you, you can't necessarily fit as much stuff on it. But honestly, these days, you can do a lot with mini ITX. You can build a seriously powerful gaming PC in a very, very tiny chassis. Um, and the only reason really to get a bigger case is A, it's easier to build in, and B, if you need like more than one add-in card. Like if you have a graphics card mm-hmm. and like a capture card or a sound card if you're one of those people i don't know um tv tuner things like that but uh, you know or if you want a really giant heatsink. but yeah, mini itx is pretty sweet because you can cram a lot into those small cases these days airflow is a bit difficult but you know yeah neat yeah all right kevin all right um well so i have one very low-tech thing one very kind of high-tech thing um uh it's buffalo new york where i live uh, it will continue to be. I don't know why I phrased it that way. Um, <laughs> it, it will not stop being in the middle of this podcast. Um, but it's so we a lot of people had to turn their heat on for the first time around here like a week ago or so. Um, and so that reminds me that I put off this project for a while. But um, the house I live in is from like originally 1878 when they first had the farmstead on this property. <laughs> I'll spare you the details, but um. <laughs> Nothing in the house is built to any kind of spec that you can buy at Home Depot. Let's just put it that way. Like every time I go to Home Depot with a project, I always end up. There's always one moment when I'm like outside aisle seven A, thinking like, "What? What? What is it like to have like a house that everything fits? Like you can go to Home Depot and buy something and something fits." Okay, so the vents, you know, in the floor and the and well, all on the floor. There's no ceiling vents or wall vents anywhere um, for the heat, the forced air heat. Uh, none of them are any kind of spec. Like you can't buy a standard uh, register or vent. You, you, everything had to be custom. So I ordered these custom uh, registers and returns for the house and to, to replace the old ones that are looking very busted and um, such. And that's nice. And they look a lot nicer and they kind of make, you know, I don't know, they're holes that heat go through. So they're fine. But then underneath it, you want to be able to control the amount of um, heat that is going through because sometimes you like you don't want to just blast heat in your living room and have no heat in your bedroom. And forced air is just like a giant Coke bottle of heat. <laughs> the more holes you poke <laughs> in it, the, you know, blah, blah, blah. So um, in order to fit these louvers, 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 the museum is called Craig? the Louvre, Kevin. Well, I don't I'm kidding. <clears throat> louvers. I'm gonna go with Craig's pronunciation. Um, they, order, uh, go ahead. I was I was just gonna say they um, some cars specifically on fastbacks. Uh, some people put louvers on the rear window to make it look cooler. It's a oh 
Yeah, like 80s style, like Trans Ams and stuff, right? Where yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. This is, a, this is an exciting way to think about this project. <laughs> um, so um, the louvers are pretty standard size, though. So I have to saw kind of like a frame in which to then fit the louver inside the, what you know, 11 by whatever um, vents. And so I'm at the point now where I'm like, well, that's like two or three vents I got to do this for. And all I have is a hand saw. Is it time to buy a new saw, like a fancy saw? Ooh. <laughs> or, or no? Is there like it feels like there's a huge gap between my hand saw and like buying a freaking table saw? Or is there something in between I could buy? Hmm, a circular saw. I, I guess. was going to say a circular saw, but I don't know if that would work for what you need. I'm having trouble yeah, so picturing the, it. So you have to cut like thin strips of wood. Um, like boards, I'd say. I mean, probably like I'm just adding like a couple inches on each side of the louver, but you know, into a square frame that I got nailed together. Oh, okay. Um, miter saw, I guess. Miter saw. That's a saw. If, if like (laughs) you're, if you just need to like cut boards to length or something. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have I have a few things to go over. Um, I'll try to go over them. I'll I'll try to go through them quickly, and I know Kevin's gonna have questions because he always does. Yeah. Um, I wrote them down. <laughs> so the first thing, um, I just I just thought of this, but um, I bought a, a, a second DualShock 4 controller for my PS4. And I went to charge it up, and I went to use it, and, like, the battery, like, it immediately told me that the battery was dying and that I needed to recharge. And I'm like, what the heck? So I charge it up again. It's doing it. It's doing it. It's doing the same thing. And this is a brand new controller. The th- hmm. Here's the thing, and I want to ask you guys this. I already threw away the box. Like I already threw away the box. Everything. I just had the controller. Oh, Craig, you made the first mistake. <laughs> Never throw away the box. I always throw away the box to everything. Ah, uh, no. Yeah, Craig. So. <laughs> Probably probably can't return it now. All three of us are just like no. <laughs> or I should say, I recycled the box. How oh, about yes. that? Does that does that make this better? Should have reused the oh, box. Yeah. No, Great. it's that was the problem. Uh, okay, it, yeah, also that January, wasn't the problem. I store every device I might return. I store its box in my attic, and every January first, I go up there and like get rid of the boxes where I'm like 100 percent sure I don't need them anymore. Otherwise, <laughs> there's a That's huge the, pile of colored boxes in my attic. I mean, I have I yeah, can't, I don't even keep I keep a lot of boxes for a long time in case I'm gonna like sell them on eBay. But I don't like for yeah, a DualShock controller. I would just keep it until I like made sure the device worked as I wanted and I was out of the return window. At that point, yeah. you can throw it away. You don't need to keep it until January first, like like Mister Box Hoarder over here. Just I've like got this giant, I've got this giant farmhouse full of ill-fitting vents. I, I can do whatever I want. I feel like this is left over from Kevin's days at the wire cutter, where he thinks just like having piles of boxes in your house at all times is a normal thing. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that. All right, we're done. We're done. We're done browbeating well, you though, Craig. So continue. Well, yes. yeah, I guess at this point, I'm I'm sol on that. So maybe I'll buy. A battery, a new battery, and just replace it and see if that works. All right, I have a, a follow up question. Okay, is this because you started playing uh, Overcooked with your wife that you bought a second controller? <laughs> I will not deny or confirm that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yes, we bought Overcooked over the weekend. Hey, if playing. you guys started playing Overcooked together and you're still married, that's how you know you're going to stand the test of time. 
Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. It's the ultimate marriage test. I bought Overcooked for five bucks like a year ago with the expectation that I was going to play it with my wife, and we just have not gotten around to it. It's very sad because mm. I really love Overcooked. And she would enjoy it as well, but alas. Okay. I also uh, I replaced the water pump in the drinking fountain for our cats. Um, and that's how you know that we're really fancy with our cat accessories. <laughs> yes, that sounds extremely fancy. Um, but no, like one day, like it just wasn't pumping out water. So I was like, well, maybe I can replace the water pump. And I go into Amazon and sure enough, like it's, it's a standard, you know, water pump that you can buy pretty much everywhere for like 10 bucks. I was like, cool. Um, cause like that's something like a few years ago, if that happened, I would have just like tossed the whole thing and just bought a new water fountain. Mm. But then I just got a new one for 10 bucks. I was like, yes. I'm pretty sure you would have done this already, but, um, you it just checking, <coughs> excuse me, checking the filters on those is like, you're, it's always like, oh, I can't understand why this is working. And then you just like poke around in there a little bit. You're like, oh, <coughs> That's because it is full of cat hair. That's because an entire cat's worth of hair is jammed into like, you know, this intake valve or this, uh, you know, whatever. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that's always a, a other solution. I'm pretty vigilant about checking the filter and making sure like the water pump is unobstructed. But this is um, just a mechanical thing that wore out eventually. Yeah, like the water, the pump just like completely just stopped working. Nifty. Um, and Kevin, I know you're gonna ask. Yeah. If it's the wire cutter pick. Was it? And it is. It's the cat it. Yeah. <laughs> the one that looks like a flower. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should I hope we sell parts for it and I fix it. We should. <laughs> oh, I also want to follow up. We got we got an email from a guy named Jason. And um remember, remember last the last podcast we, we talked about uh air compressors? I took I took mm-hmm. my fan I took my fan out in the garage and blew it out with some canned air and we were arguing about using air compressors instead. Oh right, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. About how loud they are. Yeah, they're super loud. Um, but Jason and you said, have and you have neighbors, ergo that matters. Yeah, Jason <laughs> sent us an email and said that um, quiet air compressors are a thing, which they are. The problem is that they're way more expensive. Uh. Um, like you could buy just a regular normal air compressor for you know however much, and then the quiet equivalent can be can easily be twice as much. Hmm. Um, uh, which I thought about it. I thought about it so much, but <laughs> I just I just can't pull the trigger right now. But I'm keeping you, it in mind. You need like two more projects that require an air compressor, <laughs> and then yeah. you'll have like all the justification you need. You can also just use the air compressor at the office in the bike cage. Oh, we do. We have an air compressor. Heck yeah, we do. Heck oh, yeah, man. they do. <laughs> All right. I'll. Uh, by the way, you should not use an air compressor to fill up a bike tire. No. No. Yeah. Definitely not. Last resort, but yeah, you generally no. But but uh, but thank you, Jason, for the email and uh, yeah, quiet air compressors. They're awesome. They're just expensive. All right, well, let's move on and talk about the week's news and the latest on iFixit.com. So I guess I guess I want to quickly mention Microsoft's uh, new Surface 
uh, tablets and laptops. Um, I believe the event happened the day before or the day after we recorded our last podcast, but the day after or the day before we published it. Right. That's how it Did always it? goes, right? Yeah. We're going to be, uh, I think this is going to go up after Google's Pixel event. Oh, yeah. Which has not right. happened yet at the <laughs> yeah. time of this recording. Well, it's already happened in the sense that we know everything that's going to happen. <laughs> that's true. Based on a series of extremely, uh, you know, long leaks. But yes. Yep. One, one of the sites actually got one of the devices. They're like, yeah, here's this, here's the Pixel Book Go. Look at this. Look at this cover. It's great. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, Microsoft announced a repairable service laptop, uh, and the headline went on to say, and boy, are we excited because, uh, we were not expecting it, but, um, uh, for history's sake, some important backstory is that the surface laptop, uh, you know, the original, not the surface, but the surface laptop. Oh, let's yeah. Just bear with me, folks. The surface laptop, the first version is according to what everyone can tell the worst laptop ever reviewed with a repairability score on iFixit. It has a zero. You cannot repair it without destroying it. Yep. To attempt to fix or upgrade it is to make it a lesser device that will probably, you know, be <laughs> more likely to get damaged in the future. Turn so it into a, a small open desktop is what you yes. end up with when you repair <laughs> you it. Have, <laughs> you have shorn it of its beautiful fetishistic felt and it will never look the same again. Uh, okay, I believe so, it's called Alcantara, Kevin. Yes. I still don't me? know what that is. Is that from an animal? Is that like a llama skin or something? Like, I don't, still don't know what Alcantara is. It sounds like Corinthian leather. And if you don't know what Corinthian leather is, Wikipedia it. It's an amazing <laughs> car thing. <laughs> um, it's an amazing me- made-up material. Okay, All so right. um, anyways, uh, we were not expecting it, but on stage, uh, the Microsoft presentation person, the the head of Surface, who I can't remember their Who's name their right chief, now. Chief Panos product Panos. Uh, Panos. Uh, he's the yeah, chief product officer, I believe. Thank, thank you. Uh, open, like, I mean, obviously he had it kind of propped open for him, but he shows that you can actually open up the, you know, the keyboard top of the laptop. You could get inside, and it looks like you could get at the battery. You could, uh, re- you know, standard like other other laptops made by regular <laughs> companies like Dell, HP, etc. Um, so that's pretty notable. Uh, I mean, that's and- uh, not not notable. That's insane. That. First of all, that they're even yeah. talking about repairability in one of these events, but the fact that he literally sh- like opened up the laptop on stage to show off its internals is mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, because that's, that's, yeah. that's not it's something nuts. that most companies uh, think people care about. No, um, and it's 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 slightly weird because then immediately after he's like kind of goes on this weird little joke tirade where he's like, "Now don't tweet at me and tell me that this ruined your laptop by doing it. Don't actually do this." Yeah, yes, it was like, clear that he had he, like he had already unscrewed the screws backstage. Like it doesn't yes. just like come yeah. off. I'm sure. I'm sure you have to unscrew a few things, but the fact that you could just take the keyboard off and have access to. I assume everything. I mean, it's not that different from taking the back panel off, but it's like, do you have to undo any clips? Probably not. Like, it sounds like the idea is that you can get in without tearing the laptop apart to pieces. Yeah. And then also in like a, sorry, a really quick footnote is that the Surface Pro 7, uh, whatever, one of the other surfaces there, there will be a uh, port on the back for you to access the e no, the M2 SSD, which is, that's, I'm saying that's the, the storage. Pro, yeah, the, the Pro storage. X. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead, uh, Taylor. You were saying? No, you. I was just saying the the 
Surface, the new one that you can remove the, the SSD in, is the Pro X. The Pro 7 I'm, is exactly like the Pro 6. Oh, okay. okay, never mind. The Pro 7 is junk. <laughs> <laughs> the Pro X is repairable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, no, it is repla- upgradable, yeah, and slightly now, repairable, whatever. Like the, it's still like a specialized form factor of M.2, right? Like you can't just go buy a crucial M.2 off Amazon and pop it in. You need to buy one that's kind of, that fits this specific mm-hmm. form factor. I think it's it's not the same as Apple's, but it's kind of like Apple's, where it's like, yeah, it's M. It's or it's like it, someone, it's key different. Somewhere was like someone somewhere was like, oh, it's got the usual like screw down hold on it. So oh, okay, it seems- maybe it's just a small one, and I haven't seen those. Yeah, yeah, we we I don't think we know for sure, but it does look like just a small form factor regular M.2 SSD. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Um, that's anyway, pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, so we need to get our hands on them and actually tear them apart ourselves, but it's promising, and that's why we wrote yeah. about it. We, we wouldn't normally write about Company X has Y new models, but this was notable because, like Whitson said, how often do you actually see the inside of a laptop during a no. um, slick presentation? And I'm sure it's not... Pr- I mean, The Verge did a whole thing about how a lot of the parts aren't necessarily upgradable. Like, the RAM is still soldered mm-hmm. to the motherboard, I believe. Or that's what they're... I don't know I don't know if they confirmed that or if that's their suspicion. But there's a difference yes. between repairability and upgradability. And while we would yeah. ideally love to have both, this is still a big step in the right direction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Much like politics. Would, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Much like I, politics, this is 2019 optimism we're expressing here. I, this is yeah, I, I measured... Would, I would love to be able to upgrade the RAM. It's a great day for America. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great day for America. <laughs> that should have been my headline. <laughs> uh, all right. That's uh, anyway, I just wanted to say that. Mm. Move on. All right. So the iPhone 11 has been out for a while now, but I recently published a post about Apple's U1 ultra wideband chip. And it was a bit half explainer, half news, I guess. So there's there's been theories out there that the U1 was actually licensed by DecaWave, who uh, they're a company mm-hmm. that's pretty much the leader in ultra-wideband uh, chips. But we were told by DecaWave that Apple is using its own U1 chip. So they developed their own ultra-wideband technology, which is cool. So that was cool that we uh, were able to find that out. Um, And I also talked about what ultra-wideband is and what it does. Um, But the short is that uh, it just uses a whole bunch of bandwidth over a wide frequency range to send a lot of data. uh, It's over like short, short distances, right? That's yeah. the idea. Is like the Apple talked about AirDrop as like on their on their device page or whatever. It talks about AirDrop, um, but in theory, this could be used for a lot of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. It, it uses a really high frequency range, uh, but that also means it can only go short distances, uh, yeah. which is fine. Um, but it can also, since it uses um, pulsing radio waves, it can pinpoint locations much more accurately than Wi-Fi and Bluetooth because it can send pulses out to devices and measure how long it takes a signal to come back, um, which Wi-Fi and Bluetooth do not do. Um, they just base they just base it on signal strength. Um, but yeah, that's basically the gist. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's actually very detailed, and there's only so much we could go over in this podcast, but it's worth reading because, like, 
Craig, you dug in, dug into like patents and stuff to see like what they might be planning on using this for, and and all yeah, kinds of cool, interesting uh, uh, stuff about this chip that that Apple didn't really talk about when they announced the phone. They like it was up on the slide of like other stuff we didn't talk about today, and a bunch of sites yeah. have like kind of done these really like thin explainers on what it is. But man, if you like actually dig, there is some really cool stuff that Apple is potentially planning on using this for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, after. After writing this post, um, I'm just kind of surprised at how coy Apple was about this. I, they're probably waiting until a lot of these features are closer to ready. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. And then they'll kind of make a big deal about it and be like, oh, and it's coming to iPhone 11 owners too, pretending like, oh, you don't need to buy the newest iPhone for it, even though it's been in there yeah. all the I also think they're gun shy after air power yep. and also 3D touch. Like th- I am really uh, a 3D touch promoter, but Me too. that was a really cool technology. Just like you won, it's a really cool technology, but they never did anything with 3D touch. So I, th- I think they're just a little gun shy. Yeah, yeah, I can get that. Cool. What? Okay. What? Who put this Panasonic <laughs> thing here? I put the Panasonic thing there. Uh, <laughs> I saw this. This is crazy. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I, I just, I I saw it and I could not let it go unannounced to someone. <laughs> uh, so Panasonic announced a new Toughbook, which if you don't know, Toughbooks are like the industrial grade laptops, I guess, that like police officers use and some oh, hospitals, yeah. I guess. I honestly didn't even know Panasonic made laptops. Contractors right? use them on work sites and stuff. Yeah, but the their the selling point is that they are extremely tough, you know. Hence the name. Uh, they're not anyway machines. They're, yeah, they're stretch. they're not Alcantara. <laughs> There's no Alcantara in there. They're not thin. Yeah, but the what's cool about them is that their the new model, the 55, has a bunch of modules that you can use to actually upgrade. We were talking about upgrade versus repair. Um, this Panasonic Toughbook, you can actually upgrade it and customize it to be exactly what you want. So you can rip out the CD drive and put in more ports or rip out the fingerprint reader and put in an extra card reader. Um, and it's huge and hideous and ugly, but I am starting a petition to get <laughs> us all to switch over. And by to that, he Panasonic doesn't mean you Toughbook. open up the laptop. It's just like a thing you slide out, right? Yeah, it's like a little cartridge that you just like, pull out. These and are all pop very, very like user friendly, non tech savvy upgrades you can make. You just pull out a module and you put it in kind of like I feel like what was promised with us for like the Moto Z series or whatever that didn't yeah. really take off as much, but like in laptop form. Exactly. It's hmm. very cool as long as you do not care how your laptop looks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has a handle and everything. You carry it around like a little suitcase. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so on brand. I think if we switched everyone from these old MacBook Pros to these giant tough books, <laughs> we would be the coolest company in the world. You'd be something. <laughs> All right. Well, should we move on and talk about uh, the main event? Let's do it. All right. Samsung. Oh, man. 40 Samsung. minutes in and we're talking about the main event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. So Samsung finally released the Galaxy Fold to the public, and we tore it down. Obviously, uh, we did. Taylor, why don't you're, you're here? You're here to give us a rundown of of the teardown. So that is what I am supposedly here for. Give us the uh, 
Give us the elevator pitch. Elevator pitch. It's exactly the same as the original Galaxy Fold, just with some little extra, basically, ingress protection for the most part. <laughs> to, to, um, to back up for a sec, did we have the podcast when we tore down the first Galaxy Fold? I feel like we need to maybe give listeners some context. When the first Galaxy Fold came out, mm. it was quickly oh, yeah, like, that's true. quickly retracted because all of these tech reviewers were having problems with it breaking. Um, mm-hmm. We got our hands on one and tore it down. Which then we tore down the teardown um, <laughs> because of some s- nice. strife with Samsung and, and whatnot. Um, but so we've torn down this device before and it yes. was kind of a disaster, right? There were like way too many ways like specks of dust could get under the screen and just render the screen unusable. You would just get a black screen, which is what a lot of people were experiencing. Yes. So, yeah, there things could get in under the screen The since the phone folds, you know. The display, there was a gap between the inner display and like the bezel, I guess. Uh, so things could easily get in there as well as on the back side. There were just, I mean, and there still are, but big gaps around the hinge. Um, there was also on the original Galaxy Fold um, a screen protector, that quote unquote screen protector, that was actually bonded to the display it was supposed to be a part of the display but it did not extend under the bezel so people just thought that they could pull it off and they did pull it off but they ended up completely ruining the display so samsung extended that to that that little layer of screen i guess under the bezel so now people with uh peel happy fingers can't get to it We'll just take off the bezel and, and then peel it from there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they have they have to get their fix. They do. Um, but yeah, really, like I said, other than the couple changes that were announced basically by Samsung, Samsung came out a couple weeks ago and gave this to reviewers and said, "This is what we changed," and it was uh, they put little pieces of plastic in the aforementioned bezel gaps between the display and the bezel. They extended that screen protector. And I think that was all they said. Oh, and they said they reinforced the display. So the the inner display that folds is plastic. And so it's much more prone to like a, a puncture wound than a glass display would be. So they reinforced that inner plastic display with metal, they said. And the teardown really just bore that out. All of those changes were true. I think the only other interesting thing that Samsung didn't mention was they did actually put a little more ingress protection around the hinge, which was good. So now there's a piece of tape, essentially, that lines the backside of the hinge so that if things do get into the backside of the spine like <clears throat> if the book if the fold folds like a book there are still gaps along the spine and so now there's a, p- a piece of tape essentially that prevents things from getting between the screen and the glass or the metal plates interesting so should i buy one taylor Absolutely, it's uh, the perfect device. I got this. Uh, I got this money tree in my backyard. I can just go pick <laughs> off a couple thousand dollars and uh, 
<laughs> yeah, and you know it'll last you twenty years. It's just uh, twenty okay. twenty days. <laughs> I think no, yeah. This might this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think folding folding phones right now seem kind of laughable. But I honestly think that's where smartphone tech is going right now. Oh, I, I think there's I potential for sure. I, I and I don't I don't know if that's. I mean, I guess a lot of people think that this is a joke, but I, I like I used what was it like Huawei had a folding phone or something at CES, and I was like, you know, this wasn't as bad as I would thought, which is about as big of a compliment as you can give something like that, um, considering yeah. it's probably still not great. But I don't know. I like. Uh, did, you, did you see the? I don't uh, know if it was just a render or what that Motorola released of like the new Razer. Being a full that's the one I want. That's as one as I want. someone who was like a razor diehard back in the day, I'm like, okay, I'm into that. Mm. I can get into this. <laughs> I, I like uh so I, I spent a ton of time researching OLED displays for a post on iFixit about why they're so expensive to replace, especially on Samsung's. And uh I am now the grizzled guy smoking in the corner of the bar telling you <laughs> that <laughs> Samsung needs foldable phones to be the next thing because <laughs> the kind of mainline like OLED technology is starting to get impinged by competitors like Japan and oh. Japan and China and other uh, countries are starting to invest a ton of money into their own OLED fabrication plants and and technology because they're sick of Samsung running 95 to 98% of all all OLED technology so where Samsung has the edge right now is in this kind of like weird foldable uh, tech OLED, and so they are very excited for this to be the next move because this this way they can kind of maintain their dominance and stay like five years ahead of everybody else. But wow, you're really ruining this for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, that's a great point that I would have never thought about. You're like you're yeah, absolutely same. right. I well, I don't know that I'm absolutely right, but that is what if you're you, absolutely yeah. right that that is a possibility and yeah, not a good yeah. thing. I'm surprised more of you don't subscribe to the OLED-info newsletter, but anyways. Uh, <laughs> you would think I would, news. actually. <laughs> all right, let's... Um, there were some questions, I understand. Yeah, we got, yes. we got some questions about the fold uh, from listeners. Um, let's just get right into it. Uh, the first question comes from super underscore Matt 2019, and he wants to know, how could they make it waterproof? Oh boy, does he mean? Mm, like, do they mean like how, how could it possibly be waterproof the way it is, or is there a way to make it more water resistant? I think he means how because it, it's not waterproof now, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, so I, he, let's, he, he probably, no phones are waterproof. Let's remember. I can. I can. I can, that, I can yes, hear what's coming right. in from the side. <laughs> yeah. I think he wants to know what ways could they make it waterproof if they wanted to. Water resistant. IP67 or 68 uh, water resistant is what you whatever. mean. Yeah, okay. I, I think if, if they wanted to <laughs> shoot for some kind of IP rating, I mean, this one probably has a very low IP rating, to be clear. But um, I think they would have to, geez, I don't know. There are just so many ways to get into this thing that they would either have to make it basically two blobs of adhesive that are glued to a hinge <laughs> or <laughs> like I'm imagining like an actual like adhesive phone where it's just like yeah. a solid clear <laughs> blob. Do, do, do you guys remember the, uh, the galaxy active phones that yes. were just like hyper rugged? What if they make a galaxy fold active? 
That's what we need. That's what the world needs. That's exactly <laughs> what the world needs. I would yeah. not. I would not bet against them making that. That, that like it seems crazy, <laughs> but that's the kind of thing they do. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I think they could either use a bunch more adhesive. Honestly, that's the only way that I can see it happening for now. Like the they have in in this revision, they like I mentioned, they put stickers to keep dust out. Um, but I think the hardest thing to get around is going to be the gaps along the spine because those just need to be gaps. Like yeah. there's no real way around that. If I mean, if you are going for the fold out form factor, if you do the Huawei approach and do the fold around form factor, I think it could be easier to waterproof. But I'm not sure. We haven't torn that one down yet, so I can't say for sure. Okay, next question comes from coffee underscore Boshi. I'm I'm so sorry if I butcher usernames. I <laughs> I, I feel these like I say this ones. every week, but um, I feel like these usernames were designed to confuse you on how they were pronounced. Oh, seriously. Uh, okay. Well, he wants to know: uh, Would you separate where it folds? I'm guessing he means. Um, do we have any plans to like disassemble the hinge? Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, we don't have plans to do that, but that might be interesting, I guess. I never thought about that. We kind of took that to be one unit. Uh, like the hinge is actually incredible. I am a big fan of this hinge, but uh, we could take it apart. We have not thought about that. Hmm. Well, there's an idea. We will get back to you, Coffee Bochi. All righty. <laughs> Next question. This comes from Zach. Sol- I remember. The- I recognize this username. Uh, Zach Esseltan. Zach, please message me and. Let me <laughs> if know you're going to keep pronounce- asking questions on this podcast, you got to include the pronunciation of your username. Um, <laughs> just kidding. He wants to know: Can the entire display fold, or just the middle? I like this question. So the entire display can theoretically fold. I don't know, a couple of years ago at CES, maybe this was more than a couple of years ago, uh, Samsung, when they were first showing off their foldable displays, they had one that they just completely rolled up. So yep. the answer is yes, the display can theoretically fold any way that you could fold a piece of paper, um, but you like the the display the actual display in the galaxy fold is like i mentioned it's lined by these pieces of metal so in this specific use or in this phone it only folds in the one place yeah it's a lot of work for them to offer devices where they fold and are secured in some way like you were discussing with the fold Mm-hmm. okay uh next this one comes from Kororo underscore Hanabi. They want to know, after disassembly, do you feel they made the phone for long-term use or short-term use? Hmm. <laughs> I think Does they... any company make a phone for long-term use? <laughs> I'm not yeah, so that's sure. That's a great question. I think that they made the phone for use <laughs> I, I really did, i'm like, not sure I, I they think, even did that i'm sure they made this phone just <laughs> well, to like get headlines and they did probably didn't care that much how well it worked for how that long is actually time. probably a better take yeah yeah let's see I the think, software update history of this thing it'll be yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I think especially after the like the they had to pull it back, I think really their only goal was to get it to last more than a couple days in the hands of reviewers. Um, but I don't know. You'd like the the engineers, I'm sure were working very hard to make it last as long as possible. You know, then I don't think that they are actively trying to make this thing fail. Uh, it's just really difficult to make it work. I mean, yeah. and it's the first phone of its type, right? Like every kind yeah. of new technology has to have some wacky, super expensive version that probably doesn't work super well until they refine the details and it trickles down to a more affordable price point. That's just how these things go. Exactly. Next question. Quantum under... Er, no, Quantum Dot Snow. They ask, does yours still work after the teardown? Quantum Snow? We do not know. <laughs> uh, is it still in pieces? It is still in pieces. We generally leave it disassembled for a while after the teardown just to answer any remaining questions. Um, so once we do put it back together, we I, I don't think we did anything destructive in this teardown. Um, we... We took the protective layer off in the first full teardown, but we left it on for this one. You didn't have to rip so off I, any Alcantara? <laughs> yeah, we didn't have to cut away any Alcantara or... Yeah, so everything should theoretically work, but uh, we will let you know when we put it back together. Uh, okay, next question comes from Capri on Mihai. They want to know... Is it possible to get dust out of the hinge? How close? Well, I guess the answer to that question is, do you have an air compressor? <laughs> previously, this, this previously addressed on this <laughs> yeah, podcast. Just, just blast Do, do you have air. a quiet, a silent air compressor? Um, no. Uh, it is possible, yes, but difficult i i mean the only real way that you could feasibly get dust out of the hinge is with some compressed air or just air um but there's there's not anywhere for it to go really except toward the display <laughs> so so it you would you could try and like angle it so it's blowing horizontally and hope that it blows up and out of the hinge but it's I wouldn't take it to the beach. I, I I try not to take any devices to the beach unprotected. <laughs> That's yeah. a great life philosophy. Salt water, sand, wind, yep. kids, dogs. Great. <laughs> um, next question comes from Lucas. Zero f- a whole bunch of numbers. I'm just going to call Lucas. Lucas wants to know what is inside the notch? I, do you guys know which notch? I assume he means might the be one referring at the, to at the one on the inside when you unfold it. Oh, oh, oh that notch. Okay, yeah, duh. Um, <clears throat> inside that notch. Oh, geez. <clears throat> inside that notch are cameras, Lucas. Um, there are two cameras there, and then a proximity sensor, I think. So just the, the normal uh, camera or notch stuff, you know, cameras. But nothing like, nothing, nothing like like on the iPhone. Like there's no Face ID. Or no, yeah, they, they don't have any uh, facial recognition hardware. Gotcha. Uh, last question comes from 
out underscore Mulex, how much would it cost to replace the broken glass? That depends, Al Melix. Um, the so there is only glass on the outside of the phone, and that glass is actually pretty simple to replace, both the screen and like the rear case. So, I don't think that it would be super expensive to replace the glass. But if you're talking about the plastic display, like the the folding display that would be more expensive because the the folding OLED technology is still expensive and I'm sure uh, Kevin would have a lot to say about this, but uh, <laughs> um, that is also more difficult to replace. So it's both more expensive and more difficult to and, replace. And there's zero chance that there will be any aftermarket uh, screens available. So yeah, I doubt that will ever happen. They're they're very hard to rescue and refurbish when go, one goes out of use, and then also like there are. I Samsung is not known for providing a lot of extra screens to even repair shops. So, did did you guys see though? They are offering one screen replacement for. I am looking for the price. I think it's like ninety nine or one hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah. So. So they make at least they make one nice. screen for every phone they make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. All right. That is all the questions we have. And that does it for this episode of Repair Radio. If you have a question you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email it to repairradio at ifixit.com or tag us on Twitter. Our username is at ifixit and include the hashtag repair radio in your tweet. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. That would help us out a lot. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I am at Craig E. Lloyd on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Wits and Kevin Taylor. Wits and Gordon on Twitter and all of the other things. Yeah, at Kevin Purdy on Twitter. And I am at Taylor C. Dixon on Twitter and all the other things. And, of course, you can follow iFixit on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with the username iFixit. We will see you next time for another episode of Repair Radio. So long. Mm